Didier Elzinger, CEO and founder of Culture App, and our Melbourne office. Not just the Melbourne office, but Culture Amp's global headquarters. Welcome to Scale Up by Launch Vic. I'm Courtney Carthy. This episode, it's all about the Melbourne experience. We hear from a handful of voices that know Culture Amp well, and of course, Culture Amp too. Founder of Rome to Rio, Dr. Michael Cameron. Hi, it's Michael. Michael shared the early co-working space with Culture Amp for years. I remember Didier said to me once, uh, if you're trying to build a business, uh, until you've reached 10 million in revenue, they see the fact that you're here in Melbourne as uh, a ding against you, uh, as a sort of negative. If you reach $10 million in revenue, they actually see that as a positive. They go, wow, these guys built a successful business despite being in Australia. Uh, and I really like that. Tough challenge, but Culture Amp is working its way to becoming a truly global company. Already, it has three offices internationally, London, San Francisco, and New York, and investors in Silicon Valley. They've dug their heels in and are building their global headquarters here in Melbourne. Understandable when it's been ranked the world's most livable city by the Economist Intelligence Unit every year since 2011. A fact that we Melburnians are quietly proud of and something to pull out when we get into the stale rivalry between Melbourne and Sydney whose population is slightly more than Melbourne's at a tad over 4 million. On Swanston Street, outside the Melbourne Town Hall, I met Bonnie Shaw. She leads the strategy and knowledge team for the City of Melbourne, and I asked her for a 60-second description of the city from a startup's perspective. We have an incredible community of people that live here. It's one of the most diverse cities in, um, in Australia. I heard yesterday that there are over 150 languages spoken in Melbourne. Um, we have a, a really high concentration of female founders um, and a very strong network of support for uh, women in business. Um, we have the largest student population in the country towards our city north. Uh, it's about 227,000 students annually in some of Australia's best uh, education institutions. Um, with the work that we've done through the startup plan, we're formalizing some of those relationships around collaboration and support for startups uh, with RMIT and Melbourne University through the Melbourne Innovation Districts Partnership. Um, we have um, an incredible and thriving creative industries and arts scene um, that really supports innovation and creativity, which is critical to any good startup. We've got one of the world's uh, most successful life sciences precincts where some of the most incredible inventions and innovations are happening around healthcare and technology um, and treatment of diseases. Uh, we've got an incredible sports precinct and uh, culture around sports and competition, uh, which contributes to a really great community. Uh, and then because Melbourne is, its inner core is so um, is so dense and well connected. Um, it means that the proximity of all of these um, different types of activities is really close and so you have much more of a chance of collisions and interactions between these different um, types of communities and different types of businesses that operate within them and so you get a lot more interaction around the edges which is where innovation really happens. 
And so when you can start to connect your um, food innovators and your restaurateurs up with your health science people and your artists with your sports people and your incredible academics and um, cyber security types with uh, hardware producers and creative professionals, that's where you're going to start to see some of the most amazing inventions uh, and startup innovations coming out of the city. And uh, I don't think there's anywhere else in the country that can boast that kind of uh, melting pot of amazing people and talent, creativity and innovation and a kind of the proximity um, and density of activity and innovation. It's pretty spectacular. If you're a founder in Melbourne or Victoria, check out launchvic.org. About LaunchVic, it's Victoria's startup ecosystem development agency. It's helping to build the infrastructure for entrepreneurs and startups here. Got to say a quick hello to our overseas listeners. The pod is getting some great attention in the United Kingdom, New Zealand, the US, Ireland, Canada, the United Arab Emirates, and Indonesia, to name a few. We'd love to know what you think. If you're listening abroad, do leave us a review where you're listening. Michael, like many others, as a founder who's had a career previously, he's worked in different cities and different countries and readily sees the uniqueness of Melbourne and Australia's startup culture. I think in terms of like qualities that, are, that Australian startups have that's unique, um, certainly uh, an ingenuity, you know, approach to doing things, a sort of scrappy, we'll bend the rules when we need to, to get things done and we'll think about sort of painting outside the lines or, or going outside the rules a little bit. Um, I think that's something that Australians do well and it's worked well in our favour. I think something else that's worked really well for Australians is that we recognise that Australia is tiny. So we don't think domestic from the get-go. We always think global from the get-go. And that works really well in our favour. I think Australians and Melbourneites love to travel. We're very worldly people. Uh, And when you're building a global internet business, that's a fantastic quality to have. Another founder much further down the road is Martin Hosking of Redbubble. Setting up in their head office on Collins Street in Melbourne was definitely a lifestyle choice. I was uh, part of a company called LookSmart, which was one of the companies, early companies to look back, listed in the NASDAQ back in, uh, you know, in 1999. Uh, we returned to Australia uh, and I was interested in the technology and I was interested in, uh, you know, I was living here. So the decision really was forced by a lifestyle decision to be here and uh, then to be involved in technology. Redbubble's head office is really something. Inside, it's a handful of floors with colourful artwork and Redbubble's products thrown all over the walls. It's all open plan with mezzanines and lots of glass. From the outside, you only see the grand facade of an old bank wedged between Swanston and Elizabeth Street in the CBD. In one of the mahogany boardrooms, Martin explains the implications of Australia's size, a rich Western-style country with a few more than 24 million people scattered around the edge of it. It is true that um, the scale of the Australian economy lends itself to a smaller number of very large players. You look at the banking sector in Australia, there's really only four or five banks which really matter versus the US, there'd be four or five banks per state or probably more. Um, and so it's, you know, it's much harder to, get a, to really get going in that situ- situation. You find it much harder to get your clients and your customers if you're a B2B company. Uh, and if you're a consumer company, actually getting access to the consumers 
typically if all you're focusing on Australia can be really challenging. And I think it's one of the reasons why companies like Envato and Redbubble and Culturam, you know, are naturally very international companies. Uh, so we've got, you know, most of our sales offshore, as, a, as is the case with those other two companies, or 99 Designs, or Freelancer. So the fact that those sales are offshore is partly reflects that, you know, that that's where, you know, we need a larger cust a larger base of customers that would be including companies that exist in Australia. Culturamp's products were built in Melbourne. First tested on local businesses here, first client here, a not-for-profit, and perhaps the fact that they did start off in and stick to the city rather than moving straight to Silicon Valley, it seems they're better for it. This is Anthony Middlemark. He works for PwC. I work in PwC's uh, Ventures Group, built the first Yellow Pages site. So I was on the team that brought in AltaVista. I built CarPoint for 9MSN. I was the first general manager of car sales. I built Real Estate View for REIV. I've had about five startups. I've met him in the Melbourne office almost directly across the Yarra River from Culture. Sure, that's fine. I'll, I'll lean closer Noticeably, no against the backdrop of suits walking right around us, yep. he's wearing an immaculate, oversized white Adidas jumper that stretches nearly to his knees chinos on his legs and sneakers on his feet. Australia's number one draw for tech is it's a very, it's the greatest sandbox in the world. Like, like if you can get traction here, you're, you're almost guaranteed traction elsewhere because it's so hard to get traction here. The greatest sandbox in the world is a broader comment about the startup environment here in Australia. The reason being, Anthony says, is that Australians are tough on new things, finickety and fickle. The high expectations of what a new product or service should do seem to be innate. Often with clones, the Australian version of that idea, the Australian clone, is often way better than the, than the version that you see in, um, in the US because since the market is so small and and uh, the the offer has to be way more utility right in order to get word of mouth going so if it's like eh, you know I'm, we're we're at a barbecue and i go courtney eh, and you know so maybe you'll convert but if i'm at a barbecue and i go courtney um i'm buying a house and this tool saved me a bazillion dollars have a look then you'll have a look. So in order to get word of mouth going here, the utility has to be high. So if you if you if you build a startup here, you're likely to get a much more you know high quality utility model than 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 you know than 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 the way it starts in other countries. They often get there after a while, but 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 you can survive in the U.S. or in China, on on a, on a because the markets are so big. You know, so, you know, if you if you if you have um, if you if you get to 100,000 users here, that's a lot. Right. But if you if you if you balance that out in the U.S., it's so much it's so much bigger. Right. So and, and on those numbers, you can survive. Where on 100,000 users here, it, it, it'd probably be pretty hard to survive. The thinking aligns with what Didier said in Melbourne's Startup Action Plan, published by the city of Melbourne, the council here. He said if you're trying to create anything other than a global business in the tech startup space, you've got rocks in your head. Which makes sense. By population, Australia is small, 24 million as we heard, but the market that the likes of Culture Amp 
Redbubble, Envato, Canva, Atlassian 2, and others are aiming for is immediately global. Dr. Jason McPherson... Hey, it's me back, Jason from Culture Ant. ...points out another quirky situation, sort of like a double benefit that's served by having an immediate focus on getting international companies as clients. You'll hear him describe it, but to boil it down, Culture Amp played off the curiosity of Americans and then satisfied the risk-averse nature of established Australian companies. Tech companies really wanted to use something like our platform. And because they had never considered that this should be done by consultants, there was no kind of barrier, you know, there was no psychological barrier. Uh, to go through. Um, back here in Australia, there's one, there, there weren't as many tech companies, like most of them were quite small, or they tended to be quite big. So you sort of Seeks and REAs, um, who are quite old by this stage, you know, they've been around for 10 years or so. And a lot of the other startups are too small to even contemplate using, uh, you know, a platform like ours. So we found the Australian companies uh, a little bit uh, slow to move, um, a bit more traditional, a little bit scared of doing something in a different way. And so we found it a little bit, yeah, it was actually, although we had some initial success here, it was often in not-for-profits and people who hadn't done what we were doing before and they were kind of motivated often by, hey, this is really a cost-effective way to do this. But a lot of the traditional companies, you know, they weren't adapting mm. to a new way of doing something. So I think we pretty early on then realised, hey, this is not, you know, our success is going to come from the US, initially at least, anyway, yeah. until we could establish credibility. So they did. They scooped up a bunch of California-based companies as clients. Suddenly, things here changed. You know, now companies go, oh, you're CultureAmp and you work with Adobe and Airbnb and all of these kind of uh, companies. And so now that's opened up things. You know, a lot of the companies have come around now and they're going, oh, we want to do things like those companies do. Uh, But back then we realised that uh, Melbourne, Sydney, there was definitely, uh, it was great to work here and work with people here. Um, and certainly the, you know, the engineering talent and everything here, especially co-working was great for us because we met other people, um, engineers and designers, etc. And some of them have joined us, you know, like from that we know from that, uh, from co-working. But the the client base here was very slow to move, so we pretty quickly that was a big realization I think when we came back from the US. And in the US, it was kind of. Uh, you mentioned before, you know, what were the barriers or being Australian? It was, it was kind of, we, we used to sort of play up uh, in our emails that we were from Australia when we were it's over there. <laughs> yeah, so we'd be like, hey, we're, we're over, and we'd say, you know, time, hey, we're from, you know, we're over from Melbourne, Australia for, for one week, <laughs> like on tour, you know, and, and we'd just get these meetings. And sometimes you think of someone's just taking a meeting just to see what it's like to have a meeting <laughs> with a tech company from Australia. Um, <laughs> Uh, So I think that actually played, you know, played to our advantage. It had definitely paid off, but there must be some lingering frustration about having to get runs on the board at an away ground just so you can get a go at home. And then then it's funny, then you come back, you know, now and now it's, now we're using, you know, 
uh, our credibility in the US to demonstrate, you know, that we're, we're actually capable of what we were doing in the first place. The co-working space, as Jason mentioned, served Culture Amp well to discover talent. Michael Cameron of Rome to Rio has had to do the same and says Melbourne offers some pretty good advantages when it comes to hiring and retaining engineers compared to other places. I think it's great that Culture Amp have decided to build the business here in Melbourne. I think it's a fantastic place to do it. I think it's a bit off the radar. I think our remote location is a challenge, but it's a fantastic place to hire great talent. I think we've got a fantastic lifestyle and culture here. And I think there's a lot of very smart people who want to live in Melbourne. They've either grown up here or they've moved here. And um, to be able to offer them the experience of living in Melbourne is a, is a big plus. And you can tap into this, this exceptional talent pool here in Melbourne, especially when it comes to engineers. We have some really great universities. University of Melbourne, I think, was recently ranked uh, in the top 20 for computer science degrees around the world, which is pretty staggering. Um, RMIT, Monash University, La Trobe Deacon, they're all churning out great software engineering and computer science graduates. And so it's a really great opportunity to, to tap into that talent pool. So I think one of the things that they've also highlighted as a difference between building a team here in Melbourne and say Silicon Valley is just the salaries. Um, you know, it's very, because it's very competitive for engineering talent in the US, the salaries are a lot higher there. Um, and so there is a, you know, a reduced cost of business to be able to build up a team here versus Silicon Valley. Right, it's, it's that simple. That's part of it, yeah. yeah. It's all supply and demand, really. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you can get, you can get great talent uh, and you don't have to compete as much for salaries. And you'll find, I think, that the talent is also more loyal, that they will stick around because um, there's less competition. They're not going to be reached out from headhunters from Google and Facebook and other tech companies every week. Um, so they're more likely to stick around with your business and really invest in your business, which is really fantastic. In 2017, the City of Melbourne published their Startup Action Plan. It's pretty easy to find online. You can go to melbourne.vic.gov.au. It's a big public document that took 18 months to compile. And it's got a whole raft of info about Melbourne and startups from 2017 to 2021 for how the ecosystem is and what it's hoped to be over those coming years. Didier and Culture Amp are featured in it, of course, among others. Bonnie Shaw, who we heard at the start talking about Melbourne, she led the team that put in the effort getting it together. It looked at the whole community, from brand new founders coming into the space to well-established players like Culture Amp, and it seems Melbourne is doing pretty well. Melbourne was recently um, awarded Australia's co-working capital, uh, and we have the largest number of co-working spaces in the country now in Melbourne, um, which is servicing this growing community of startup founders and, um, and innovative companies. And then in terms of um, some of the positives and some of the strengths, uh, people talk about our coffee culture, um, fueling innovation and fueling entrepreneurs, uh, and the fact that we've got so many great um, coffee shops and great coffee that will give people the spaces to work and meet and, and get together. Another thing to appreciate about Melbourne is its geography, and Bonnie alluded to it at the start. There's a huge concentration of businesses and in recent decades, nightlife in the CBD that's roughly two square kilometres. Swing out from the centre to a radius of about four kilometres 
and you'll take in probably most of the areas where startups are going to be here. It's highly unlikely you'll ever be taking a freeway to travel from the CBD to a startup office. Before Didier's headline appearance at Melbourne Fuck Up Nights, he mentioned the culture of the community here and the growing positive saturation of opportunities to build networks. Uh, I think what's great is just to see the strength of the community. You know, there was an event here last night, there's another event here, it's packed. That's great, it's great for the start uh, ecosystem. So that bit I look at and I don't actually, it's not necessarily an ego thing. I don't look at it and go, hey, wow, isn't this cool, all these people here to see me. But I just look at it and think, hey, wow, isn't this cool, all these people are out there trying to do something. You know, most people here in the Melbourne, in the Melbourne and Victorian ecosystem are pretty open. Um, and I think if you really want to learn, you need to sort of leverage that, that network and start meeting the different people who are reaching the same challenges that you are. If, if we were in Silicon Valley, then there'd be a lot more sort of incidental encounters you would have with other people who are building a technology startup. But because you're here in, in Melbourne, there's a lot more need to actually sort of go out of your way to actually um, find the people who are building a similar sort of business. I'll leave the last words to Stephanie Sutton, Culture Amp's new VP of Mid-Market Sales. We met her back in the episode titled The Enso, who was visiting from the States when I asked her for impressions of the Australian culture. And just the enthusiasm, the kindness, um, the warmth throughout the company. And I think, you know, honestly, I, I don't know enough about the Australian culture yet, but I get it. I really... Maybe, I think maybe some of this warmth comes from the, the, you know, the fact that it is an Australian-based startup versus uh, Silicon Valley. Next episode is the final one in this season of Scale Up, brought to you by LaunchVic. Now, LaunchVic is Victoria's startup ecosystem development agency. They're helping build the infrastructure for entrepreneurs and startups here, not just in Melbourne, but around the rest of the state too. Have a look at their website and subscribe to the newsletter. You'll find plenty of helpful information if you're ready to launch a startup here or running one already. But next episode, we hear from Culture Amp and others about what's in store for the future. Aspirations are clear, 10,000 by 10,000, but there's plenty more to come. Because if you get too black and white about things, then you can miss your opportunity to actually shape them when that happens I think that's going to be a great event and a great sort of reassurance for the community Um, I'm a long way from done (laughs) yeah I consider myself lucky every day to be able to um, help out I'm Courtney Carthy thanks for listening to Scale Up by Launch Vic do subscribe and leave a review tell a friend about the show and look forward to the final episode coming soon